Come on, come all, come gather round. Come hear tales both lost and found. Grab yourself a drink with a splash of lime. It's David and Michael's story time. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Story Time. The one who's taking his turn to drink water during the intro this week. Well, that's Michael Santel. And the one who's staying hydrated to not step on the toes of the person who's talking. Well, that's me, Michael Santel. Great. And then I'm also David Miller. <laughs> Hi, David. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> David, welcome, just like Bible times, here we are on the eve, right before Noah's the, flood, right there's before a the crazy guy outside, filling a boat up with animals. You know what I'm excited about, uh, and this is a very selfish thing, because for those who don't know, we're recording right now on the eve of when Tropical Storm slash Hurricane Hillary is supposed to hit the West Coast. By the time they it hits, it the, it's going to be Tropical Storm. Well, because it's yeah. losing steam by now. Listen, they call it Hillary. It's a real Karen. It's ruining everyone's weekend <laughs> in Los Angeles. We had to cancel the fun barbecue get-together. I was going to get to have a fun everything. barbecue with Michael Santel tomorrow, and now we have to do it in probably a few months because that's how scheduling things as an adult works. <laughs> it's not. We're looking at it. Listen, the party planning committee will be meeting <laughs> next week, so we'll See, give new in dates. In the email you sent out you said next month so i was like oh no it's gonna be forever i didn't want to get people's hopes up i didn't want people to like have to like think about another week we want to give them a little bit of time to digest and then yeah, we'll yeah. throw some new dates their way right on uh but yeah so so the thing i'm excited about is that we've been complaining for multiple episodes now how fucking hot it is while we're recording and it is like 10 degrees cooler today than it has been in weeks so <laughs> we could talk for hours david but nobody's got time for that tell know. me about what book 35 will be today right. of well, the anamorph chronicles well let's do a quick recap last time we visited anamorphs we were in book 34 the prophecy, the prophecy. which was a Cassie-centric book about uh, she had the 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 like save stated memory of Aldrea, the Andalite from the Hork Bajir Chronicles. She would have to put up a psychic wall to protect yep. herself from her intrusive thoughts. And they like went all the way to the in a stolen York ship to the Hork Bajir homeworld and like did a bunch of shit there. Had to find a, a huge secret York pool. Uh-huh, had to find a secret tree base under the yurt pool where they had to then fly in a ship as quickly. Yep. One of the people finally did, one of the kids did what I wanted, start taking multiple make chimera animals. Cassie did. She, she, was, she was a bird, and then she kept the wings while she morphed to human and then to whale. Uh, yeah. David, stuff. these children are turning into angels. Not I... yet, but soon enough. I'm excited that like you really that part stuck with you, and I knew it would uh, because uh, well you'll you'll see in today's book how what happens here, uh, but today's book is book thirty five, the proposal. Uh, oh my goodness! I know what this one's gonna be about. And I, I showed you the cover last time, but here's the cover again. It's Marco on the cover, so it's a Marco book, and he's Being turning he's turning into a poodle. Yeah, and then the I, inside cover is just that poodle uh, looks like in a TV studio. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's like the, a guy reaching for the poodle. Yeah. Okay. Here are my prediction we don't have the rights to that don't do that we don't somebody <laughs> made it for us but we do not have the rights for it okay so my first thing that i think the proposal is about is that the laws of georgia have been changed to be okay for child marriage 
finally, Jake is going to pop the question. <laughs> My second prediction is that the kids go and see that Sandra Bullock movie where they called the proposal, where we see what happens. It's a love romp adventure. That was uh, based... her, that was Ryan Reynolds, I think. Yeah, yeah, Bullock. very young Ryan. Yeah, young Ryan Reynolds. Uh, the proposal. <sighs> we see a dog in the studio. Yeah. Okay. The proposal has to be that they are like propo- like they're given an op an option to do something really fun and they're like, "Ooh, we got to do it." Okay. But when they get there, they find out it is infested with yurks as is everything here. Sure, sure. Um the poodle is a new morph. I don't need to guess that. Uh I think that the uh There'll be a point where the poodle has to distract the cameras. Like, okay. if they were to look stage right, <laughs> everything would be ruined, but they are only looking stage left. So look at that poodle. He's like walking on his hind legs and yeah, the, doing yeah. math questions. Yeah, yeah. The poodle's great at uh, <laughs> basic addition because Marco's not that smart. Marco uh, is smart. He's okay. Every now and then he'll say something and they'll be like, How do you know that? And he's like, Guys, I pay attention in class sometimes. K.A. Applegate wrote it into his brain. And I think we're going to find out about, like, TV aliens. There's a certain group of aliens that have been getting signals from our planet. They love I Love Lucy. They're, like, like ready to come and, like, get their fame on television. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Those are my predictions. Okay, great. So the alien comes here to be a star? No, they're typical already, LA transplant. There's, man. They're already <laughs> stars, David. They just are ready to emerge onto the scene. Okay. All right. Decent enough predictions. I'll tell you right now, Jake and Cassie do not get married. They're 14 years old. I'm so. I said the laws so, changed. It so, wasn't illegal. So monogamy centric of you. Ugh. Ugh, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> I just like to force my ideas on people. You I just sure, really yeah. want people. You to and really the know rest the right of society path. for like all time. That's uh, right. That's right. At least Western society. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we we begin. Uh, it's a Marco book. Marco is at home. He's with his dad, uh, and uh, he is. Beating the shit out of his dad at video games. You know so I mean? good. Like, I love that how... it's called video games. I like that we don't get a specific video game. Uh, it's just Marco, video well, Marco, say, so Marco does say that he is the PlayStation King. He's a PlayStation Ooh. King, okay? which is okay. one difference for me. When I was a kid, I was like, ah, oh, because I never had a PlayStation as a kid. It was always a Nintendo or a Sega. Um, and PlayStation, so, best station. One of the names, best consoles of the 90s. And he's, he's like, pick any game. I'll fucking kill you at it. I'm so good. He names three games specifically. I did double check to make sure that K.A. Applegate was right in writing these. They did all come out for the PlayStation, but they were not necessarily exclusives. One of them oh, was. Okay, Crash Bandicoot. No, but... Gran okay. Turismo. Think, think games that can have multiplayer. Like you would, he would be able to beat you at this game. Okay, one of them's going to be a fighting game. Like okay. it's going to be like Toshikindo's Arena, like one of the weird three, like Virtual Fighter, but not Virtual Fighter because that was okay. for the Sega. So I'll it could t- be, it could be Tekken or Tekken Two. I'll tell you right now, it's Tekken. Hell yeah, it is. Okay, so we're talking Tekken time. He says Tekken. The it's second, not, this, this is like nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, the second game is Gran, Gran Turismo. Okay, good guess. And the third game for the playstation was like madden 98 okay so your head is in the right place so i will say i think i misled you a little one of the games i don't know that it had multiplayer he said he mentions tekken he says duke nukem 
Duke Nukem was a port. That was not a very good PlayStation I game. I don't did, think did, it had multiplayer. It did not have multiplayer. Okay. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, but then the other game, you said Madden 98, which was a solid guess. But what he It's what baseball? He says is NFL Blitz. NFL Blitz. Now, was that for the... I remember that for the I had it on 64, but I yeah. did look it up, and it did come out on PlayStation. Shitty enough though, I bet it played better on the sixty four. Oh, probably. I pray it had that. You get get the rumble packs. You get the expansion pack. Make them graphics <laughs> real good. So, so he's playing dad video games. He's he's killing them. I think they're playing NFL Blitz because his dad at one point is like, "It's fifty six to nothing. I forfeit." Right? Okay. Like, yeah. And you're like, uh, and, and he's like, "No, I was gonna score again." You know. Um, the phone rings. The house phone and dad answers and immediately his voice changes and he gets all like happy and light and it's Nora. No, dad's got a girlfriend. Dad's got a new girlfriend. Wow. Okay. It just so happens that Nora, whose last name is Robinette, Ms. Robinette, is Marco's math teacher. Oh no, she's robbing the net cradle of that family. <laughs> Um, I made the note that dad is like a new man after meeting her, like actually happy again. Sure. Yeah. Well, like uh, since yeah, his course. wife died, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I know why he's happy again, <laughs> but okay. Marco is happy for him, but it is still weird for Marco for both normal reasons. My dad is dating again. He's dating my math teacher. And for Animorph reasons, my mom might not actually be dead, but I can't tell him. Right? Like, the, yeah. remember, because the last time... Oh, no! Dad's a cheater! The last time that we saw Marco's mom, he was setting them up to, like, Visser 3 and Visser 1, Marco's mom, to fight each other and kill each other. On the precipice she, of a cliff. And she fell off a mountain. Now, no body, no corpse. We never found the body. But that's the last he saw was her falling off a mountain. And Listen, her realizing that, that he was Marco. The, I'm going to let you know. Marco said that he was going to look for her. He said, no mountain too high, no valley too low. He will go and find her. So Marco switches the TV to, like, cable and starts flipping through the channels because he's trying to, like, avoid having to listen to his dad be all mushy on the phone. Dad, they're uh, dirty talk on the phone. <laughs> uh, it's actually very tame. I feel like dad is being quite respectful of Marco. Okay. Um, uh, he ends up flipping through and seeing a talk show called Contact Point, which is like an advice show. Uh, it's got a host named William Roger Tennant. I'm William Roger Tennant. Welcome back to Contact Points. Uh, not your typical talk show. No audience, no guests, no comedy monologue. Just this tenant guy sitting cross-legged in a big comfy chair surrounded by six-foot-tall lava lamps, a bottle of designer water at his side. People called in with problems, and he gave them helpful advice. There was something about the guy that made you want to like him. He was so relaxed, like nothing could possibly bother him, and he seemed to actually be interested in what people had to say. Every caller was the most fascinating person he'd ever spoken to. I don't know why I kept watching. I'm not a talk show kind of person. Maybe it was because I was hoping William Roger Tennant would say something that make me feel better. See, there's this other complication to my dad's having a girlfriend, a serious one, but William Roger Tennant didn't say anything that made me feel better. He said something that made me even sicker than my dad's middle-aged Romeo impersonation. A woman caller was complaining about being lonely. She was retired. Many of her friends had passed away in recent years. She was having a hard time meeting people. William Roger Tennant listened intently to her complaint, looked thoughtfully at the camera, and said, Marie, I know a great place where you can make friends. It's called... The sharing. He's an alien. I wrote my lesson. He's an alien if he's listening <laughs> to all these people. He loves human stories. 
Uh, so Marco thinks to himself, like, all right, you know what? Let it go. Let it go. I know how this one will end up. I call Jake, and this all ends with us running and screaming for our lives and maybe not making it out alive, right? Yep, yep. And he goes, ugh, but I have to. So he, he waits till Dad hangs up and is like, great, what are we doing now? And Marco's like, I gotta call Jake. And then he calls Jake, sets up a meeting for tonight. Now, does he talk dirty talk to Jake on the phone? Because they, he t- learned they do talk dad. in code, yeah. yeah okay, they do, okay. They do talk in code. Um, uh, he has to come up with a reason to leave. Dad has set aside tonight for the two of them to spend time together. So this is like specifically father-son hangout night. And now Marco is having to bail on it to go meet with the gang. Um, he has like a very vague reason. Jake has to give me something. I left something at his house. And Dad's like, can't you get it at school tomorrow? And he's like, no, I need it now. I won't tell you what it is, though. Bye. You know, like, okay, uh, okay. Um, he feels bad. Dad is like, obviously hurt feelings about it, you know, but what's he going to do? Uh, dad says, are you mad at me? No, dad. Why would I be mad at you? I know you still think about your mom a lot. He began. I just want you to know I do, too. I know. I said, it's just that it's been a long time. My dad continued. I can't. Cut to, cut to dad's head where he's thinking about like holding hands and walking yeah. on the beach cut to his head where he like sees a york bl- a york blade coming for the neck of his yeah. mother i can't grieve forever i we need to move on i hope you can understand that i mean nora's a nice person isn't she maybe if i were a better son i could have said something to cheer him up but i'm not and i couldn't yeah she's okay i said it's just weird that's all i shut the door behind me and tried to control the guilt Yeah, I wanted my dad to be happy, but there was a really big problem with the whole Nora situation. My mom might not really be dead. Uh, So he... She's dead. I know that she's not dead, but like, she's dead. Not that she's dead in the way that you said no body, no corpse. I'm not saying that, but like... Like, how does she ever return to a normal life? How do they ever make any of that possible? (laughs) Um, And you know what? That thought... Might be something on Marco's mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> especially now that he's presented with dad moving on, right? And I just want to say that I feel vindicated in saying that Marco was bad at math. He is he is distracted by that woman, okay? How is he supposed to focus on his dad's girlfriend in the math class? So he goes to his garage and starts morphing his bird, Osprey. Um, and his mind is all bouncing around about all this stress and stuff. Uh, halfway through the morph, uh, something is wrong. Like, it feels wrong. And he realizes he's morphing bird but also lobster? Oh. Like he gets lobster claws and his eyes are like lobster's eyes, but he grows feathers and like talons and it's super weird. He almost drowns in the air because he has the lobster like gills. And oh, he needs water. One. He needs yeah. water. So he demorphs. And it's like, well, fuck whatever that was. And he rides his bike to Cassie's barn, which takes like a half an hour. So, Marco gets there, and everybody's like, dude, you called this meeting, and then you took forever. Like, what took you so long? And he's, like, kind of flipping about it. He doesn't tell anybody what just happened. He's just like, oh, I wanted to ride my bike. Is that a crime? Like, you know, like... (laughs) I'll take the scenic path to the house. Uh, And then I have in my notes, he tells others through a few Axe Bits and Rachel Barbs. Like, he's trying to tell everyone what happened, and there's a lot of, like... Axe has some bits where he's confused about human culture, and then Rachel has some insults at Marco and shit like that. Um, but he tells them about William Roger Tennant, and 
obviously the first thing Rachel says is like, so what do we do? Trash the TV studio? <laughs> like, do we just go right. and break the place? To be fair, though, that's exactly what they did last time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it well, worked and, and, just fine. Well, and Jake is like, well, if we do that, then the Yerks will just move him to another studio. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. We get, you can buy airtime anywhere. We need to get him off the air permanently, which means, like getting dirt on the guy or like disgracing him publicly to not have him be a TV star anymore. Are you talking about a pedophile sting? I mean not not specifically no, just Okay, okay. Just anything I... anything to get the guy canceled. Not not necessarily. Okay, that. I'm just saying we got some kids. If you got eggs, you should make a no, cake. No. <laughs> okay, okay. We're not making cake. <laughs> Uh, so they, so what that means is they need to do surveillance on the guy. So Tobias and Axe will watch him during the day, then Marco and Jake after school, which makes Marco nervous because that means he's going to have to morph Bird in order to surveil this guy. And he's like, I don't know what's going on with my morphing. Will that happen again? You know. But also, what dirt can they get on him? Because he's clearly a controller, right? Yeah, they don't, so so like, they don't know anything about him. So they have to like okay. follow him for days and see if there's anything they can like use to figure something out. Right? Uh, so, uh, we then cut to, like, three days later. They've been tailing him for three days. Marco has now morphed multiple times. No incident. No so, lobster, no nope. lobster dogs. He's morphed what he intends to morph. Uh, this is where we find out that Marco watches the Powerpuff Girls. It's a, it's a solid show. It's, it's a, good a pretty show. good show. Yeah. It's a great so show. It's, he's on, like, a he's on like a Saturday shift of watching the guy with Cassie. And then he's, like, arguing, like, why do I have to be on the Saturday shift? And she's, like, because you traded with Jake yesterday so you could watch the South Park marathon. And he's, like, yeah, but that was before I knew there was a Powerpuff Girls marathon on today. And it, <laughs> he, clearly, he, clearly likes, he clearly likes cartoons. Also, though, that dad needs to... Single dad needs to wa- follow up. 1999 South Park is a little too intense for these fourth graders. <laughs> That's not an okay show. Uh, so they're watching this guy at uh, this beach- beachfront mansion. Um, and he's like habitual to a T. Like this guy goes running for exactly 45 minutes at the same time every day. And then he sits at his desk for this many hours. And, it, you know, like he is just like punctual. Um, they did confirm he was a controller in the past few days. They saw him go to the Yerk pool entrance at the Gap uh, at one point. So they're like, yep, he is a Yerk. Uh, Not the baby Gap, though, right? The normal the Gap. Gap. Okay, the, the Gap. Gap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Cassie says something. Uh, it's the same thing every day. From 8 a.m. to 8.45, he goes jogging. Comes home, takes a shower, sits at his desk, works a few hours, writes on the computer, makes a few phone calls, eats lunch at his desk, feeds the birds, because he has a ton of birds in his house, uh, talks to them, and then at 5 o'clock, he hops in his limo and is driven to the TV studio. You know, I kind of wish Tennant were to control her. I mean, apart from the yerk in his head, he's such a swell guy. I watch Contact Point, and I want to tell him about my own problems. Something bothering you, Marco? Cassie asked. Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, so then Marco kind of like, Cassie prods him just a little bit like, oh, is it not like weird that your dad is dating again? Cause like he, he tells us that he had told everyone about that because he had to have everyone sort of spy on her for a few days to make sure she wasn't a controller. Sure. Right? Oh, they had to do, they had to so do they've already done that. She's, she's clear. She's passed the, the Yerk background check. But they know, um, but they know her dark secrets too, right? That she loves <laughs> to binge eat and stuff like that. Um, but Cassie, like, barely prods him, like, isn't it weird? And he's like, no, I don't want to talk about it. And then he proceeds to vent for, like, 45 minutes of their mission just that's, about all of this shit. That's good. You got to get it out. You can't leave it in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, he and at some point during that, he vents about Nora's pet poodle, Euclid. That is like terror dog. It hates Marco. It's always barking at him. It's always jumping at him. It's always nipping at him. You know. Um, uh, he feels a little better after after that. From our perch, we could see into Tennant's office. It was hard not to. Two of the walls were made almost entirely of glass. The room had an amazing ocean view. I mean, it probably doesn't matter anyway. Our chances of surviving tomorrow's mission are slim to none. The office door opened. William Roger Tennant, now dressed in his usual faded jeans and rumpled down, uh, rumpled button-down Oxford shirt, walked over to his desk and sat down. He raised his left hand close to his face. Perched on his finger was a gray feathered creature about a foot long. He raised it up to his lips and gave it a dainty little kiss. William Roger Tennant had a large collection of domestic birds, finches, parakeets, and cockatiels. The plan was for five of us to morph cockatiels in Search's house. Five tiny, helpless birds fluttering around inside the house of a powerful yerk. We'd get caught, I'd get crushed, and I wouldn't even have to think about my dad and the math teacher. Um... Ugh, he's already wanting death sweet release of 14. <laughs> These poor broken children. So it's mission time. Uh, the house should be empty during the day, except for Tenant and the birds. There's a cleaning crew that comes in the morning, but they leave by a certain time. Um, so the plan is that Marco and Rachel will shadow him as cockatiels, like in the house, and the others will search the house as cockatiels. <laughs> um, and if either finds trouble, they'll like alert the others. And then those that are not currently in trouble will hide morph battle morphs and then come to the rescue. That's the plan. Uh, so they start as squirrels outside. They go up like the phone pole and over to the wall and then down into the yard and up to the window where Jake then has a small pocket knife in his mouth that he takes out to rip the screen. And then he drops the pocket knife in the yard, and Tobias as a hawk picks it up so that they leave no trace. And then and then they go inside through the window. Oh, and acts as a squirrel, I forgot. He uh, uh, disarms the security system <laughs> as a squirrel. Does, does he get electrocuted or anything no, like that? No, he's like, he's like, no, these hands, this creature has like very dexterous little hands. It'll just take me a second. And he goes over and he like taps at the thing. Um... So they get in, and Marco and Rachel go first to, like, the aviary, where the birds tend to hang out. Um, and they demorph as they go. The birds start getting very loud and nervous when they, like, enter the room. Like, when a stranger enters a bird's place, they get all, like, squawky and shit. Sure, um, as birds do. One of them bites Marco's finger as he tries to grab it to acquire it, because also birds will do that. Um, they eventually acquire it. They morph the cockatiels, and they both get a little lost in the morph. They kind of spend, like, ten minutes, like... Jumping around and chirping and dancing and bobbing up and down on a on a stick and shit. And they, like, don't even notice. It's like Tobias or Jake is like, hey, is everything cool? It's been, like, ten minutes. And they're like, oh, fuck, I didn't even realize, you know? Birds love to dance to the Pointer Sisters. I'm so excited. They yeah. can really bob to it well. <laughs> uh, so they fly to his office in the mansion. Um, and Rachel even is like, they're like, we can't see what's on his computer screen. So Rachel, like, lands on his head. Because she's like, we've been watching this guy for days. I've seen multiple birds do this, and he doesn't tend to give a fuck. So she lands on his head and just, like, sits there. Oh, yeah. Uh, then the phone rings, and Tennant answers it, and it is very clear he is speaking to Visser 3. Yeah! He's like, yes, Visser. Yes, right away, Visser, you know. Um, and as soon as he hears Visser 3, Marco starts to kind of get nervous. Um, and he starts being unable to control the morph. Like, he loses control, and he starts squawking like crazy and, like, plucking out some of his feathers onto the desk and, like, jittering around. And Rachel's like, Marco, what the fuck are you doing? Like, stop. And he's like, I can't control it. Like, I don't understand what's happening. 
Um, and they hear from the phone conversation that Tenet is going to some award ceremony in some time, and he's going to get some award, uh, and he expects that some big network executive will offer him a primetime spot at that point, so they'll be able to spread the reach of the sharing even further. Finally get that get that 35 to 45-year-old men demographic I'll at that you, 8 o'clock time point. Later on, we see what network uh, is the executive is meeting with him, and it is... This is the PAX network. UPN. UPN, new and up and coming. Oh boy. <laughs> you get um, you get a block of Moesha into this show. <laughs> so Marco starts to annoy Tenant with all this squawking and shit while he's on the phone. And he even is like, No, Visser, I can't kill the bird. Like this host is like known as an animal lover and I have a very open house. If anyone were to happen to see me like hurt an animal, that would be terrible. Marco shits on the guy's desk. Doesn't mean to. Can't control it, but does it. And Tenet hangs up and starts closing the blinds and is literally like, oh, actually though, I'm gonna fucking kill you. No! That's exactly what he thought was gonna happen! (laughs) And so then Marco tries to fly away, but Tenet whacks him with a book the and bird? Like, uh-huh. And hits him to the ground and then grabs him and starts to squeeze Marco to death. Oh, no! <laughs> uh, but then he stops and Marco sees that it almost looks like the guy's face is like beet red and like veins bulging. And he realizes that the host body is currently fighting the yerk who is trying to murder this bird. He's choking him from the inside while he's choking this bird on the outside. Um, So the Yerk regains control, but then stops killing the bird and is like, actually, I won't kill you right now, little birdie. And starts like villain monologuing at this fucking bird. This is exactly what these other Animorphs need to hear. What information does he (laughs) spill in his monologue? So the others have started morphing battle morphs like in another room. Tenant paced over a, to a tall mirror, took himself in, and then headed back to the desk in the middle of the room. I am a warrior, he cried, gesturing dramatically with me as a prop. A warrior trapped in this hideous charade. Can you imagine, little birdie, how it pains me to be nice and kind and polite, morning, noon, and night? How I yearn to lash out, to strike, to kill at the fools that surround me. But I cannot. No, that would not be in character for William Roger Tennant, great advocate of human virtues, caretaker of all life forms. Bah! And at this point, Rachel's like, dude, this guy is fucking nuts. Mm. (laughs) Um... So he lets go of Marco. The others are right outside the office door like, do do we need to come in, guys? Like, what's the status? And they're like, no, wait, don't come in. Um, And then Tenant asks Marco, like, looks at the bird and he's like, tell me, little birdie, what's your name? All of, you know, Tenant's birds know their name, so tell me your name, little bird. And Marco's like, I don't know what this bird's name is. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say here. So he doesn't answer. And then Tenant kind of looks at him and he's like, Unless you're not a little bird at all. And then it's like, <gasps> and the light! Ah! And then uh, he uh, tells his computer to go to full alert. Uh, and Which means does. that this is not a normal 1998 Windows machine. This is a alien computer. Sure is. Um, so Rachel swoops at his head to like get help Marco get away and like grabs at his scalp and comes away with his toupee which is like the second time I think in this book series we've had a bird steal someone's toupee yeah they Um, love toupee humor in these books and he drops Marco who was like hurt he's like been crushed as a cockatiel um and so uh uh 
Rachel tries to lead him to the hall so that Marco can start to demorph. And obviously he'll then run right into like all of the other Animorphs waiting and ready. But in the hall also, six Hork-Bajir arrive. Because of the alert mode. Because of the alert mode. They must have been like hiding in the basement or something. You're right, you know? Um, oh, <laughs> I th- my note says joke orders jobs, but I realized that I, uh, I just didn't put the little foot on my A. It's Jake. Oh, I was like, what's this joke that you have for me? Joke, Jake immediately goes into, like, general mode and orders, you know, like, he and Axe are going to take on the six Hork-Bajir by themselves. Cassie will cover Marco. Rachel has to go hide and then come back in a battle morph because she's still a cockatiel. And Tobias needs to get the fuck in here because he's outside on watch duty. Okay. Um, Marco demorphs in the office. As he hears the chaos outside, he rolls under the desk to start morphing Gorilla so that he can help. He then starts having morphing issues again while trying to morph Gorilla and becomes half Gorilla, half Trout, and starts drowning in air again. This is the same problem. He's really mixing these land animals with aquatic creatures. This time, however, Tobias saw it happen. And is like, Marco, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, I don't know. I can't control this. I don't know. So he like demorphs again to like save himself from drowning. And everybody retreats into the office and Marco shuts the door. And Jake is like, what the fuck are you doing as a human right now? Get in battle morph. And Marco's like, no time. Can't explain. We got to get out of here. Uh, so he throws Tenant's laptop through the window and they all jump out through the window. But there's like a slope under where the window is. So it's like a 20 foot drop. Marco like slams on the ground. I'm pretty sure he like breaks his ankle and he'll later like demorph, remorph or whatever. But like, you know, they barely get away basically from everything. And this was a completely failed mission. (laughs) Yeah, failed mission. This is exactly, this is actually the worst possible scenario because now they are aware that the Andalites are on to this individual. Yeah. 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 Uh, And it's all because Marco couldn't control his shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have a meeting at the barn and they're all chewing Marco out about not having told them about this morphing issue that he'd had. Um, and Rachel like snipes at him about something and he like, he serves it right back to Rachel. Cause he's like, Oh really? Cause I remember a time when you lied to us about burping an alligator from your back when you right. actually hadn't yet. And then you did it in a TV studio, you know? And she's like, Oh, okay. Well maybe someone else should yell at him now then, you know? Uh, I love that they bring <laughs> up the other time they're in a TV studio. Yeah, right? The yeah, next yeah, yeah. time they're going to go to a TV Remember that studio. one story? Well, let's do it again. Uh, <laughs> Um, Axe, they're like, Axe, do you have any idea what's going on? And he's like, no, not really. I have heard of cases where emotional distress can interfere with the morphing process. And Cassie is like, she brings up the stuff about his dad. And, and he's like, don't talk about Nora like that. Kind of. And she, and she, she's like, she's like, listen, I'm sorry, Marco. I would have kept it, but now it's affecting everyone. So they all deserve to know like that you're, this is what you're going through. I know I said I would keep your secrets, but I'm not going to keep your secrets. Marco insists that it is not a big deal. Cassie says he needs to talk to someone about his problems. And he points out, it's not like I can go to a therapist about this shit. Sure. You know, and then... Poor kids. Poor kids in their emotional distress. Uh, well, okay, Cassie replied gently. But what about us? We are your friends, Marco. You can talk to us. Keeping stuff all locked inside is what makes you get so stressed. Cassie, everyone here has problems. Axe is the only member of his species within a trillion miles who's not a controller. You're a pacifist who spends half of her time battling aliens. Jake is just a dumb jock trying to play General Eisenhower. Rachel is about three millimeters away from morphing permanently into the Terminator. And oh, by the way, Tobias is a bird who lives in a tree and eats mice for breakfast. We all have problems. We are not exactly the poster children for mental health week. Dumb jock. Excuse me? The point is, we're all hanging on by our fingernails. What right do I have to go nuts? 
Cassie shrugged. As much right as anyone. Yeah, well, that's not much, okay? We all have things to do. I just need to get a grip, is all. So that is Marco's response to that. Uh... They should have alien... Don't... Can't he talk to the Chi? Can't anybody be pretend to be a therapist for these kids? Sure, but he's also... Clearly, like, resisting the idea that he needs that. Right, I, right, I should just yeah. be stronger than this. These are just silly emotions. I'm a boy in the 90s. Ugh. Right? Like, <laughs> there's a point even where Cassie mentions, like, like, to him. It might be later, but, like, she's like, oh, yeah, plus bro code, right? Like, you can never talk about your emotions. And he's like, ugh, you know. Um, so they still need to take down Tenet. Uh, and they can't think of how to do so now. So they disband and go home. For the day. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, they're out of ideas. He'll go catch the end we'll, of the Powerpuff we'll, we'll Girl sleep marathon. On it. Yeah. Marco is grounded from morphing. You know, Jake is like, Marco, yeah. no morphing, right? So Marco walks home. He thinks to himself a lot as he's walking home. And he kind of gives in to the self-pity a bit, even though he hates self-pity. Um, and he had always held out hope, some kind of hope, that things could go back to normal one day. That mom would come home and the family would be back but especially with dad moving on, it seems like that that is just impossible. And they've so it's kind of finally hitting him, you know? They've added another plate for those chili nights. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the chili of doom or whatever it's called. Uh, uh, he gets home and he immediately feels that something is wrong. The lights in the house are all off, but the garage door is open and dad's car is here. Uh, but there's also another car in the driveway that he does not recognize. Oh, he's got, he's got to knock loudly on all the doors. He is <laughs> he's got to be really careful. Immediately, he assumes the worst. And he's like, Visser 3 and 12 Hork-Bajir are in my house right now waiting for me to walk through the door. So he opens the door and immediately is like tackled by some beast. And it's like, he's like, whoa! And he flips on the light and it's a fucking poodle. It's Euclid. It's uh, Euclid! Yep. Uh, and he has just walked in on his dad's Couch makeout sesh with Nora. No! <laughs> like, they, they like spring up from the couch and he's got like lipstick all over his face, you know? Lipstick? Like, classic. Classic. <laughs> You're telling me the dog had an erection and it was no. on the dad's God face? It. God damn it. <laughs> That's gross. Uh, <laughs> it's very gross. Please continue. Marco, the dog is still like jumping at him and jumping at him. So Marco catches it. And like acquires it to calm it down, like yeah. while while Nora and Dad are like shuffling around anxiously and being like, "What are you doing home? Oh my god!" And he's like, uh, "I live here." And Dad is like, "Oh, I figured you'd be out late, like you literally always are with Jake." <laughs> you know, it's like the one night you come home early. Uh, and so Marco grabs his PlayStation and storms off to his room and puts on his headphones and is like, "I don't know if that dog kept barking or whatever. I just I drowned it all out." Um, a week goes by uh, before the mission. Marco practiced morphing several times in the bathroom, and then and then showed everyone like, "Look, I'm morphing with no issues." And he does like, he does turn it into a... that dog multiple times? No, he morphs other things. I think. Okay, but he he morphs multiple times and no issues. So they're like, "Okay, you're sort of off grounding, right?" Like. Uh, so then it's mission time, the big banquet where Tenet is getting his award. Um, so the mission is basically to get Tennant to flip out publicly, kind of like he did when he was, like, ranting at the bird, right? Uh, so it's at that same beachfront hotel resort place where they had that other mission where the world leaders were gathering. The UN mission, where they had the, where they had the, not the portals, the, um, uh, the holograms. The holograms. And that's also, that was also during the whole David 
bullshit, right? Never trusted David. I wrote Never. that note. Uh, this, so as seagulls, they, they, they go to seagull to land on a balcony, demorph, sneak in through the balcony, down service stairs to a bathroom near the kitchen where they all morph to cockroach and sneak to the kitchen to get to tenant's food. We figure if we get a bunch of roaches in his food, he flips out about it. Maybe the cameras catch it, and he's all public, right? Uh, yeah, but, but then they. Re- but but I feel like everybody in that room would be like, "Oh, that's completely justified." Like you know what I mean? Like, if but if you he starts, heard- but if he starts getting mad and he's like, "Oh, this fucking planet and you humans and your gross fucking bugs," it's like, what are you talking about? You fucking okay? Crazy okay, maybe it you works. Know? Um, uh, they realize once they get to the kitchen, Cassie's like, hey, how do we know which food is going to be his? <laughs> yeah, and, and they're like, I don't know. And Marco's like, ugh, I think I have an idea. Uh, and so Marco finds his way to the locker room, demorphs and steals a uniform of like a busboy. Yep. Okay. Uh, and he makes a note to us that he wouldn't be the ideal person to do this part of the plan because of his issues, but the only other two people with a morph that'll work is Axe and Cassie, and they, uh, you can't trust Axe in the kitchen around all this food, and Cassie uh, is needed elsewhere for some other part of the plan. Sure. Um, um, so he collects the others as roaches. He goes to where they are hiding under, like, a thing, and he, like, puts them up his sleeve, basically. Um, and then he goes and finds the, the guy who's making the salads, uh, which we find out is, he's like, hey, are you in charge of the salads? And the guy's like, you mean the garde manger? And yeah. he's like, yeah, 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 obviously that's what <laughs> I meant. Uh, <laughs> and he says, hey, set aside one of the salads for William Roger Tennant. He doesn't want tomatoes in his. And the guy's like, who the fuck is William Roger Tennant? And he's like, the guest of honor at this whole thing. Shut the fuck up and just do it. And the guy like rolls his eyes, like clearly annoyed with Marco and like, Puts a salad up on a different part of the, of the the thing, um, uh, and Marco's like, "Don't forget to tell the waiter that that one goes to William Roger Tennant." And then Marco, uh, like, helps. He's like, he, "Here, let me do it." And he like puts the salad up on the thing, and while he does, the roaches like go into the salad. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. Um, so then he goes back to the locker room, and he's gonna morph Wolf Spider so that he can climb up the wall, get a above the salad and then just drop into it and rejoin everyone. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, and so he morphs the spider in the, the locker room and he starts walking out into the kitchen and then he hears someone go, what the fuck is that? I mean, I don't think they say fuck in the book, but the... <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is it, David? Cause Marco had, as he was walking out, he's like, it feels kind of like, I didn't finish morphing, but I know I'm done morphing. And he walks out, and it turns out he is half wolf spider and half skunk. Oh, no! You mean a skunk with six legs? He, and- is, he is like a three or four inch long skunk that has eight legs, but the legs have paws. And he has like ten eyes. Two skunk eyes and eight spider eyes. Uh, uh, and his mouth is spider parts. Horrific. Yes. <laughs> like a fucking sign of the end times. Ta- uh, 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 Camara, that is the, definitely a sign of the end times. Just like this weekend is a sign of the end times. The the kitchen workers start like chasing him. There's like three people like chasing him with like a broom and shit, trying to like squish him. Um, and the other animorphs are like, "Hey, Marco, is is everything going okay?" And he's like, "Yep, yep, all good. Can't talk now though. Uh, busy, a little busy." Uh, and then he gets cornered and he uses private thought speak with the humans that are chasing him so that the other animorphs don't hear him. Uh, but he says to them, I am the I am the keeper of dreams and I have come to reap your souls. Uh, where is it? 
Mr. Broom raised his bristled weapon. I cowered helplessly. Kind of feel sorry for it, the first guy said. What? I've never seen anything so ugly in my life. Have you tried looking in the mirror? I growled. I used private thought speak. Jake and the others wouldn't hear. The three of them froze. Who said that? Mr. Broom demanded. I did. Down here. Me. The creature you're trying to kill. No way. I didn't know you were a ventriloquist, Charlie. I'm not. Maybe it's a sign. That's right. He's not a ventriloquist, I said. I'm a talking half-skunk, half-spider. A skider. Or possibly a spunk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is too weird, the first guy said. Not as weird as it's going to get if you don't just drop the broom, turn around, and walk away. What? You heard me. Do it now. Charlie, the broom guy, was not impressed. Or what, he challenged. Or I'm going to turn into a ten-foot monster and pop your heads off like dandelions. Oh yeah, right. All right, gentlemen, but don't say I didn't warn you. It was risky. Stupid, even. But what else could I do? I began to demorph and grew fast from six inches to a long to a foot to two feet to four. Ah, Broom screamed. His friends agreed. Let's get out of here. And they ran out of the locker room. <laughs> what, was he turning into like... A... He was morphing back to human, but at that point it doesn't look anything like human, right? So okay, he's yeah. just growing and like shifting and, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he then redresses as a busboy and, like, sneaks back out into the kitchen, um, and he hears, like, the, the, like, boss of the kitchen, um, like, yelling at those three, like, what the fuck are you doing? Get back to work! And I think they do, like, a kind of over-exaggerated French accent, like, whatever the problem is, go and do this, you know, like, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. Uh, um, so he goes to check on the salad, but now the salad that he had set aside is surrounded by a bunch of other salads that do have tomatoes, but it's, like... Uh, there's not much system here. This could easily get mixed up. Right. Be before he gets the chance to do anything about it, he gets caught by the boss of the kitchen and is told to go empty the pig bucket. And he's like, what's the pig bucket? And he's pointed over to a big-ass fucking trash can, plastic trash can, that is filled with all the discarded food and, like, half-eaten shit. And the just pig the, it's all, bucket. It's all, it's all fucking gross and munched together. Um, and he has to take it out to the alleyway. It takes him a few minutes to do it, and he says it's one of the grossest. He's like, I've seen a lot of disgusting shit. This is one of the grossest few minutes of my life. <laughs> He's like, whatever I end up doing after the war, I will not work in a restaurant, goddammit. Like, this is <laughs> sure, too gross. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to work with the pig buckets. He gets back to the kitchen and sees that the salad is gone. And the guy definitely did not let the waiter know that it was important that it goes to a specific person. Right. Uh, and he hears Jake and Thaw speak like, Marco, is this you carrying us? Like, what's going on? I think we're moving. Um, and so he, he runs into the dining hall and he starts looking around. There's all the, you know, the circular tables set up in kind of the main area. There's a big dais at the front with a big long rectangle table where the guests of honor are all sat and William Roger Tennant is there next to the dais and on the other side of the dais there are three guests that are together. Can you guess from the 90s who, what celebrities would be at this special event? And they're a group of three. Uh, 90s. Special event. It's a television event. So, it's going to be Jerry Springer. It's going to be uh, uh, Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray. And <laughs> lastly, it is going to be not Oprah, but like Jenny Jones. Hanson. Hanson, the three brothers of Hanson, <laughs> who bought themselves are sitting there. Yep, yep. Hanson is there. Wow. Uh, and Jake then says, uh, "Well, okay, wherever you are, Marco, we have stopped moving, so we're gonna head out and do the thing." And then Marco hears a scream from Zach Hanson. Oh no, the Hanson brothers got the bad place. <laughs> 
I think even it's either Rachel or Cassie. I think it's Cassie is like that doesn't sound like William Roger Tennant. That that sounds like Zach. <laughs> they know his individual voice. The girls knew as his a voice. cockroach. Yeah, and they're like, uh, "Bop this shit out of here! Get this plane away from me!" Chaos erupts as the roaches scatter. Marco scoops axe in the uh, uh, scoops up axe as he sees him like scuttering along the thing, and axe is like, "Oh no, I've been captured!" And Marco's like whispering into his hands, "Like it's me. I've got you. Don't worry about it." Uh, the others like manage to hide in like a fold of the tablecloth or something. And Jake is like, "Well, that could have gone better. Time for Plan B." Uh, so Plan B, Axe, Marco takes Axe somewhere. He morphs human and then dresses like Marco, like a busboy. And then they go to the dining room again. Marco is once again ordered to do the pig bucket, and he can't refuse to do it, or he'll like come under scrutiny. And they'll but he's just like he's barfing like the whole time while doing it. Yeah, be here. So he's like, Ugh. so he is like, Axe, don't do anything. I'll be right back. And he runs out to the alleyway. To go empty the pig bucket. Um, the others have managed to demorph and remorph into fleas and are like, okay, we are at a certain point on like this table, under this tablecloth, we need to be picked up and delivered to tenant for like plan B. And Marco can't respond because he's in human morph outside in the alley. And Axe, who can thought speak while he's in human morph, which is interesting to me, but he can, he says to the others like, I'm here, uh, you know, I'm ready. And Jake is like, okay, Axe, I guess it's gotta be you. And Marco's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, and so uh, the others jump onto Axe's hand from the tablecloth, and he's like, I think I can get close to Tenant if I act like the other servers are acting. They're all clearing plates away from everybody. And Jake is like, yes, good. Clean off everyone's plates. And Marco is outside. He realizes the door from the alleyway has locked him out, and now he has to run all the way around the building to get back in. And he's like, fuck, Jake, don't say clean off everyone's plates to Axe. That's not the right... And then he gets into the main building. Uh, <laughs> in time to see... A very funny sight. Uh, the humans are refusing to cooperate, Axe reported. I am merely attempting to clean off their plates, and yet they are behaving in a hostile, aggressive manner. <laughs> what? Jake snapped. Wham. Through the banquet room doors, lungs gasping for breath, I left on an empty chair trying to see over everyone's head. There, on the dais, about three people down from Tenant, was Axe. His face was covered in smeared, or <laughs> smeared orange Thousand Island dressing. Pieces of lettuce clung to his chin and decorated the front of his busboy jacket. As I watched helpless in horror, he reached for another plate. I ran. Like, what, like, what's his name in The Bodyguard? Like Clint Eastwood in that movie about the Secret Service. I ran, pushed, and shoved. Axe yanked the plate away from the woman's hands. Uh, it came away suddenly. Leftover salad flew. Flew straight into William Roger Tennant. Tennant yelped. Axe licked the plate. His tongue extended to full maximum. And then he moved methodically on, reaching for Tennant's plate. Soon it will be time to jump to jump on target, Axe reported blandly, as if everything was otherwise perfectly normal. We are ready, said the others. <laughs> So clearly so everyone thinks a busboy is gone. Nuts or Absolutely butso. insane. Absolutely uh, insane. Although the, what he, when he said, like, we're near, nearing the target or whatever, he says that in thought speak to everyone, not out oh, okay. loud. Okay, okay. Um, Axe then gets them onto Tenant. They jump onto Tenant, and Marco manages to get there in time to, like, grab Axe and, like, talk him down and basically be like, I'm so sorry, sir. Uh, the, the truth is, we're actually not busboys. We're huge fans. Can we have an autograph, please? And then the next chapter starts with, like, it is really, truly amazing how much people will let you get away with if you just flatter their ego. Yep. <laughs> so then they, like, sneak kind of off and try to blend into the crowd. They find a chair at a table that's, like, all these old people are sitting at. And there's one chair open. And it's like, can we sit here? And they're like, there's only one chair. And they're like, it's fine. And then they, like, sit on each other's lap. Like, he pulls axe onto his lap. <laughs> and they just sit to watch what happens next. 
And then Tennant goes up to give his speech, and at that point, the others as fleas are on his scalp under the toupee, and they start just biting and biting and biting and biting and biting his scalp. And it's Now, quite... are they under the toupee, or are they just yes. biting the toupee? They're under the toupee. Okay. And so it's quite clear that, like, something is starting to bother Tennant as he's, like, making his speech. He's, like, getting kind of sweaty, and his, like, eye is twitching. But he generally holds it together through the whole speech and doesn't do anything. And Jake is like, That's that... the sign of a professional, David. And Jake is like, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, that for any human, that would have worked. But obviously, like, we have to figure something else out. Uh, I just need so, to let to, uh, everyone know that the banging noise that sounds like people's heads are being chopped off, the neighbor boy is playing basketball. There's nothing I can say to him. That's, that's just fine. the way it's going to be. <laughs> um, so uh, they need something irritating to get him to, enough to just like go off, but they can't think of anything. So mission over. Everybody exfiltrate and go home tired and defeated. We'll try to come up with something else some other time. They failed again! They sure did. That's the second um, failure! Uh, so everyone goes home tired and defeated. Marco's dad is not home. Uh, Marco watches TV, goes online to like talk about music on like chat rooms, but then ends up getting in a fight with everybody and calling everybody morons and logs off more angry than when he started. He then is like, I need cookies. He goes to the kitchen and he gets a, a pack of Pepperidge Farms cookies. The uh, good ones with the chocolate, with the, the good ones with the chocolate in the middle? I think so. And if, if not, then yes, we'll just imagine that. The Milano cookies? Um, I have kind of a longer part. We're, we're getting towards the end of the book, but it's very emotional heavy, okay? Okay, thank, uh, you, for, thank, you, for, thank <laughs> you for giving me my trigger warning. The doorbell rang. Oh, man, don't be someone selling newspapers or whatever. I muttered as I went to the door and opened it. Cassie? Hi, can I come in? She didn't wait for me to answer, but sort of pushed her way past me. I followed her back to the living room. She turned off the TV and looked expectantly at me. What? You could offer me a cookie. I handed her the bag. Do you have something to tell me? No. So why are you here? I'm here to listen to you. I laughed. What are you, a shrink now? She shrugged. You said it yourself. We can't exactly go see counselors, can we? Look, I'm fine. No, you're not, she said. Jake bought it. Rachel bought it. But I didn't. Something went wrong. I heard it in your thought speak. You blew another morph, right? I sat down. I was sure I'd covered. I was sure. But of course, this was Cassie. Cassie who knows what people are feeling five minutes before they do. Did you tell Jake? No, and I won't. Why not? What happened, to, what happened to it being everyone's concern? The Hippocratic Oath. Because I want you to know that you can trust me. You know, enough to talk to. I realized I was bouncing my leg nervously. I stopped it. Look, it's nice of you and all, but I know all the buts. We're all under pressure. We're all barely hanging on. And besides, you're a guy, and the guy code is you never talk about your feelings. I snagged the cookies back from her. She took my milk. Who told you about the guy code? That's top secret. Marco, I have both my parents at home with me. They don't know anything about Yerks or about us, but I have them. And I, and I know they love me, and they're, here, and they're there when I get home. Jake's the same. Rachel's parents are divorced, but... Yeah, and look at what a pillar of mental health she is, I said with a laugh. Yeah, but Rachel has her mom, and she talks constantly to her dad, and she has her little sisters, and she has me. But Marco, for two years after your mom died, or at least everyone thought that she was dead, your dad totally fell apart. You were the man of the house. No one was there to take care of you. I take care of myself. Cassie sat beside me. She put her hand on my arm. <laughs> Cassie, does Jake know you're flirting with me? She ignored my weak attempt at a joke. And then we found out that your mom was still alive. Only she wasn't your mom anymore. Her body had been taken over by a yerk, and she was the enemy. Marco, in the space of a few awful months, you'd gone from believing that your mother is dead to almost literally having to try and destroy her. 
And you think maybe that's stressful? I deadpanned. <laughs> I think it would have crushed most people, she said. That mission against her in Visser 3, you were setting her up to take a fall. You were intimately involved with leading Visser 1, your mother, into a trap that... Shut up. Shut up. I jerked up off the couch. I had my hands over my ears. Stupid. I took my hands down. They were trembling. Look, Cassie. I started to say with an exaggerated calm, but then I forgot what I wanted to say. I could see her on that mountaintop, her sudden realization that it was me who had brought her there. Marco, me, her son. Her host's son. Not some ruthless Andalite warrior, but her own son. Visser's three's troops and ships closing in, the cliff giving way, falling. And later, Rachel had come to me and said that her body could not be found and that maybe she was still alive. And Rachel had understood that she wasn't doing me any favors because it was so much better to know, to know for sure anything, to even know that something terrible, as long as the torture of uncertainty was over. What did I do? I whispered. You're in a war, Marco. You're here, in your living room, eating cookies and watching TV and going to school on Monday. But you're also in a war. Bad things have happened to you. Tobias isn't losing it. Axe isn't losing it. Look at them. They're both all alone. My God, Tobias isn't even human anymore. Marco, you don't know what they've gone through. They would never tell you. Guy code, I said. It doesn't matter what they feel anyway, you know. You have to deal with what you feel. I feel like you drank my milk. Cassie hung her head. She looked beat. Probably was. I was. I felt bad like I'd let her down. She'd come over, tired as she was, to try and help. I feel better, I said. Cassie rolled her eyes. Look, Marco, don't talk to me if you don't want to. Don't even talk to Jake, even though he's your best friend. If you have to keep everything inside, I guess that's how you are. But you at least need to be honest with yourself. Okay, I said noncommittally. I'll do that. She got up, sighed, and headed for the door. Then she stopped. You know, at the clinic, we're always getting animals who are hurt or injured by humans, by jerks who shoot at them for no reason or try and burn them or whatever. And I used to get so mad. I just hated those people. I'd feel like I was wasting my time because, you know, there's always some jerk with a 22. I'd rage about it. But my dad told me, deal with what is. I was confused. What does that mean? It means the animal is hurt. Help the animal. She came back over to me and took my hand. Or in your case, Marco, it means that the Yerks are here, your mother is Visser 1, and your dad is lonely. None of that should be, but it is. So This is the worst therapy session I've ever heard. <laughs> You're not supposed to accuse the person with the PTSD that they're not doing well. There's got to be a better way to do this. <laughs> For the next few days, Tobias and Marco, tail tenant... Oh, because Marco had gotten an idea... Like, when they were like, we need to come up with something irritating enough to, like, really set him off. But, like, I'm not sure what it is. Marco comes up with an idea. <laughs> uh, it doesn't uh, work. He's just now banging more fucking things outside the window. I can't hear it at all. It's They're going to hear it, David. The audience is going to know about it. I'll do my best. I know <laughs> you will. It'll, it'll be fine. Um, so, for the next few days, Tobias and Marco tail tenant wherever he goes out in public. And Marco attacks him as Euclid the Poodle. Oh, no! For like, for, like, days. Everywhere he goes, in public, Marco runs up and, like, nips at his heels and, like, jumps up at him. And he, like, clearly knows that it's one of these Andalite bandits, <laughs> but he can't do anything about it because there's too many people around and he's a high-profile person. I would love to see the montage of all the places this dog has, like, bit his heels the and beach, stuff like at that. at restaurants, at, yeah. like, literally all over town. Coffee they're shops, tailing him as birds, and then the they street, just morph in the alleyway. Yeah, the Gap. Uh, Marco is having the time of his life on this mission. <laughs> 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 he is just enjoying so much getting to take out all of this frustration, just bugging the shit out of this guy. Uh, so then finally, it's Friday night. It is the big night, uh, uh... 
uh, Marco goes home before the mission. So they've been doing this to kind of like, in a way, soften him up for what will be the mission. And now it's Friday night. Marco goes home, uh, like, before the mission to kind of get ready. His dad is home and is, like, setting the table and is like, oh, just in time. And clearly looks very kind of nervous and jittery. Dad wants to talk about something. No, uh, oh, it's time to have the talk about the birds and the bees. No. Uh, uh, Nora's moving in. Uh, you see, well, oh man, I've never been good with words. But you know I loved your mom, Marco, very much. I felt my heart stop, sucked in my next breath like it was coming through a straw. He paused. He wanted, to, he wanted me to say something. He wanted me to make this easier for him. I should have, but I didn't. I heard Cassie in my head telling me to deal with what is. No, I didn't like the is. The is was about to get worse. Losing her was so hard for, for the both of us. But she's been gone over two years now, and, and she is not coming back. He wiped tears from his cheeks. I hated him right then. How dare he cry? Who was he to cry? He was betraying her, setting her aside, consigning her to the past. He was killing her is what he was doing. We can't spend the rest of our lives grieving for her. And for the first time since she's died, I've actually been happy. Nora and I... He paused. I think it's what your mom would have wanted. She would have wanted us to move on with our lives, to be happy. Doesn't that make sense? No, no, because she was my mom. She was his wife. So no, dad, no. Cut, cut out the weepy crap. Cut out the self-pity. No, she's my mom. But I didn't say anything. What could I say? I knew I was wrong. I knew I was being unfair, and I didn't care. I couldn't say anything. Nora and I have been talking about getting married, Marco. But we won't do it without your okay. Yeah? And what if it's not okay? I said. I could hardly hear my own voice. He sighed. His eyes turned vacant, distant, the way they looked for a large part of the past two years. I hadn't missed that look at all. Marco, we're a team, you and I. We've been through a lot together, so if you say no, I'll accept that. Fine. So it was on me. Great. Typical. Yeah, why not? I'll decide if my dad is happy or not, if my mom is still my mom. I'll decide if she lives or if she dies so that I, the great Marco, the great cold-blooded Marco, can prove how tough I am by leading her into a trap, setting her up. I felt pain. I was digging my fingernails into the side of my head. I was going to explode. Some artery in my head was going to blow apart. It was too much. Way too much. I'm out of here, I said. I got up and ran for the door. Great thing to have right before you go on the mission. Uh, <laughs> uh, for so so much, and I feel yeah. bad. Dad wants to better them, better himself, and yeah. he's handling this responsibly. I guess you he's know what I mean. Talking like, to his son about it, he's respecting his son's space, and he's also serious about this relationship. Like this it's not isn't some thing. It's this not a isn't fling. some he's... fling. He wants us to be permanent. Yeah. So it's mission time. No, no thinking about that right now. It's mission time. <laughs> Bottle those feelings. <laughs> So they meet on the roof of the TV studio. The plan is Jake and Axe will take the control booth. Marco is on harassment duty as the poodle. Rachel and Cassie will be in the studio as backup is if needed. And Tobias is outside on watch. Perfect plan. No problems. Uh, so they need to get a uh, tenant on camera flipping out. So they enter as flies. Um, and Marco doesn't do a usual, like, you know, he's always like flipping and does some joke before, you know, the mission of like, well... Let's have fun dying, everyone, or like whatever it is. Just, just attacks the mission. Fucking doesn't say anything, and Cassie gives him a look like she knows something is up, right? Um, that he's not in a good headspace. Um, it will be dangerous for Marco as the bait because they have to get him to flip out at Marco before the show starts. Otherwise, he'll be able to maintain his composure, right? If he knows the cameras are on, 
um, then he'll be fine. Uh, but that means he's literally just going to try and murder Marco as a poodle, which is like kind of <laughs> probably easy to do if you sure. really wanted to do it. Sure. <laughs> Uh, so everyone's in position. Marco starts morphing Poodle. He's like in a utility closet in this little studio. Um, and he's in there with uh, Rachel and Cassie who morph wolves because their other morphs would be too big um, for like this kind of smallish studio. Um, Marco starts morphing Poodle and guess what? It goes weird again and he becomes half Poodle, half Polar Bear. Ooh, he's got that delicious uh, uh, silky white uh, fur everywhere yeah. but an abomination to God. He loses control of the bear and is immediately like, I gotta hunt something. And he sees the wolves and he's like, nope, not wolves. And then he hears movement on the other side of the wall he's in. So he just bursts through the wall and it's uh, it's Tenet. And Tenet starts trying to run, but he like flings him against a wall and pins him down and like roars in his face. And Tenet is like, oh my god, oh my god. And Marco's like about to kill this guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. The smell of shit and piss fill the air. Um, where is it, where is it, where is it? Because he pooped lost... his pants. <laughs> You're lost in morph, Marco, Cassie said calmly. Get a handle on it. You had another mixed morph. Get Now get control. Get control. Everybody stay where you are, Jake said. Uh, don't worry, Rachel said. I'm not going anywhere near that thing. If I was in grizzly morph, sure, but... I am ready for the broadcast, Prince Jake, Axe said calmly, as though nothing unusual were happening. Come on, Marco, Cassie encouraged. It's going to be okay. Remember the mission? The mission. I poked Tennant's huddled body with my paw, watched him shrink and shudder. What's going on, Marco? Cassie said soothingly. Talk to me. We're your friends. Talk to us. Talk to me and talk my butt, Jake snapped. Marco, cope. Now. That is in order. It was like a bucket of ice water being dumped on my head. It was like waking up from an intense dream, fast, painful. Slowly my mind grasped control. Jake, he's going through some bad stuff in his life, Cassie said. He's stressed. His dad is, Cassie, you know I love you and admire you, but be quiet right now, Jake said. You listen to me, Marco. We have zero time for your self-pity. I don't care what your problems are. You deal with this right now. I started to shrink. My body deflated like a balloon with a pinhole. My head shrinking, becoming a normal poodle head. That's not exactly enlightened behavior, Jake. Cassie shot back, obviously angry. If he's having stress... Cassie, he's not you. He's not Rachel. He's not even me. He's Marco, Jake said. What he needs is to pull his head out of his rear end and remember what he always says. This is a war, soldier! Get your head in the game! <laughs> kind of. What I always say. What was he talking about? Jake said, Life is either tragedy or comedy. Usually it's your choice. You can whine or you can laugh. I laughed. I laughed in recognition. Oh yeah, I do say that. I was then completely poodle. So Marco runs from Tenant. Now he's a little poodle. Uh, and Tenant grabs an electrical cord from, like, the set and, like, basically uses it as a makeshift whip and is trying to, like, fucking nail Marco with it. And he does hit him once, and it, like, fucking hurts like crazy. Yeah. And he, he's super murderous. He's, like, going around the studio being like, oh, this is going to feel so good. This is going to be so therapeutic. I'm going to fucking kill you, you fucking, you know. Uh, and then so Marco, like, leads him essentially into the middle of, like, the stage area where Tennant grabs him and starts choking the shit out of this poodle. <laughs> oh, no! Suddenly, all the lights turn on. And the UPN Network bigwig walks through the door and is like, what the fuck is going on in here? <laughs> is that and a Axe, dog murderer over there? And Axe patches in the feed to, like, the local news station. <laughs> and Tenet is literally, like, like strangling a poodle yelling, I'll kill you, die, die, you fucking Andalite scum. Like, yeah. 
so crew members all rush onto the stage and like intervene and like pull him off of the poodle. Rachel and Cassie burst out of the closet as wolves and shit like get Marco out of there. Everybody gets out. Mission successful. They did it third time's a charm. <laughs> the job is done. Everyone leaves. Next chapter starts, and we cut to everyone is at, like, a nice event. They're all kind of dressed nice. Axe says something like, thank you for inviting me to your, like, fancy ritual or whatever, Marco. They're at a wedding. <gasps> oh! It's actually right after the ceremony of the wedding. Uh, uh, we find out that Rachel cried during the wedding, and Rachel yeah. is like, everybody cries in weddings. It's okay to cry in weddings. Shut the fuck up about it, you know? <laughs> Uh, and then I have this to read to the end. And then there we are. It was two weeks after our battle with William Roger, William Roger Tennant. They had been two very busy weeks. And for once, the busyness had nothing to do with Yerks or alien battles of any kind. Thanks to Axe, William Roger Tennant's freakout was cut into the local TV broadcast. Naturally, the news networks ran with the video. CNN ran it roughly 4,000 times. <laughs> No one had seen Tenet since. After William Roger Tenet incident, I spent a couple of days thinking about what my dad had said, about moving on with our lives, making a new start, about our being a team. I also thought about what Cassie had said, about having to deal with what is, things as they are, not just how I wished they were. And I remembered Jake's immortal words of comfort, I don't care what your problems are, you deal with this right now. But mostly, I remembered what I've always believed, what my mom taught me, that while some things are just plain awful, most things in life can be seen as either tragic or comic, and it's your choice. If life is a big, long, tiresome slog from sadness to regret to guilt to resentment to self-pity, or is life weird, outrageous, bizarre, ironic, and just stupid? Gotta go with stupid. It's not the easy way out. Self-pity is the easiest thing in the world. Finding the humor, the irony, the slight justification for a skewed, skeptical optimism, that's tough. Anyway... The past was over and done with. My mom, Visser One, I had to set that aside and think about my dad and me. Time to get on with my life. Goodbye, dream. Hello, Euclid. So, before the wedding, I had a long talk with my dad. I told him the marriage was okay with me. I was best man. You can fill in your own joke. Rachel filled in several. The day after the wedding, we started moving Nora in. She understood I wasn't going to call her mom. I have one mother, and that's all I'll ever have, whether she's alive or not. A few days later, it was all done. Nora was with us now. The dog, too. I didn't mind Nora. I could see where maybe we'd get along okay. I still hated that dog. I was coming home from school when I heard the phone ring. It rings more often now with Nora around because she gets calls from parents asking why their kids are flunking math. I decided not to answer. Let the machine get it. And then I heard her voice. Marco, if you're there, pick up. My mother. And for the first time in this series, it says, to be continued in wow. Visser. So we're gonna go to we're gonna go to lessons, but then I'm excited for the preview for next time. So that is the end. The end of that book. To be continued. To be we're continued find, in Visser. Yeah. We're gonna find out what it's like for mom to be controlled by this thing. Dude, I've already started the next book, and I, cause I, I remember it from before, but I've already started reading it, and Jesus Christ, it's fucking insane. Uh, so here we go. Yeah, that's it. Let's go to lessons. Lessons. This was, you know, it's funny is, so often the books that feel flippant or the, the stakes feel low, or not necessarily low stakes, but that 
There's another capacity of it. This was a very... The focus is the emotional component more than yeah. like the mission they're on. Yeah. yeah. I think this speaks it's to another our... another one of those, the mission is the backdrop kind of things. This speaks to our broken child soldiers. They yeah. are all... People, people ask me on the streets... What do you think about these children? They're broken. They are all sad. Cassie they, literally was like, dude, you're in a war. Like, yeah, you're yes. having cookies and watching TV and you have to go to school, but you're fucking fighting a war, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, It's funny because, uh, I, I don't know. You'll let me know how flippant my notes are going to be. I, all of this, I understand the importance of all of this, specifically yeah. in their young mental lives, but here are the notes that I wrote down. Great. One, you can't date a math teacher. She's always going to be correcting you. You're never going to be able. You'll always be a second too slow on your math skills. It's not something you can do. Math teachers are hot. I'll say it right now. Uh, I wrote, you can't do your dirty talk in the living room. People are going to walk in that room. Okay. You got to go to a to be private clear, it area. Wasn't, it wasn't dirty talk. It was just like clearly he was just like being lovey on the phone. Like he was very excited to talk to her. I wrote, create a code with your friends. David, yeah. we should have code words. We could have a like, code word. Well, listen, we're, we can't tell people here what our code words are, but we sure. need to have some code words where if I'm like Rumpelstiltskin, you're like, got it. We got to get the doors. <laughs> I wrote, you got to move away from the dead. Their bodies are going to start stinking and rotting soon. You got to like bury them away <laughs> from the camp. You know what I mean? Uh, I wrote, Gills need water, whether they're on a fish or a man who's a fisherman named Gill. He's got to be yeah. near the ocean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, watch out for pedophiles. Just in general. Okay, Listen, well, you need to be vigilant for them. You think that they are your friends. They are not your friends. Yeah, I don't think that they're my friends. Uh, I wrote, Patrick <laughs> Gills are great. I don't... I, yeah. I, for some reason, I, I never felt that that was like... There, there was show. an element back in the day where, like, there was, I guess, a, you could, there was a little bit of pressure from, like, other boys who were like, you watch Powerpuff Girls? But honestly, none of my friends were like that. Powerpuff and so it didn't Girls really is matter. just as funny as Dexter's Laboratory or Cow and if Chicken. Not funnier, it depends yeah. on, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great show. Uh, just like William Regal drove himself in his own limo, limos can be pretty cheap if you're the one driving them. You sure. get a second business because you can drive other people, but like in a one person, you're going to get pretty good gas mileage. It'd be so annoying to drive a limo. David, this isn't directed at you, but I'm directing it at you. Talk about your problems. Don't <laughs> let them bubble up inside of you. That is, I think... The main lesson of this book. Uh, I wrote, hide your knives. Like, you can have some knives out, but for the most part, you should keep them in a safe spot. They're a knife block. Is that, that's, you know. I mean, I'm not here to, I'm not here to block the knives. I'm just saying you gotta hide <laughs> them, David. Uh, I wrote, birds love dancing. I see it yeah. on the internet all the time. They do that, like, full head that. bob. I love yeah. it. Oh, in bird situations where you are pretty sure there are birds around, do not look up with your mouth open. Keep it closed. Keep your head down. You do not want surprises. Yeah. Also, don't forget birds can bite. Well, that leads me to my next one. Don't choke chickens. Like, whatever the animal is, they're going to, like, bite so at dumb. you. You got to, like, leave their <laughs> necks alone. I wrote, PTSD is no joke. Leave sure. it alone. It is something that is serious. <laughs> I was hoping you're going to go, PTSD is no joke, and here's a joke about it. Uh, <laughs> I wrote, get a weave that makes you feel good. Listen, hair game is not to be su not to be uh, joked about. Me and David found out about the wig game from people that are in it. It is very serious. They are <laughs> yeah. expensive pieces. Get yourself one that makes you feel good. Yeah. 
David, this isn't directed at you, but I'm directing it at you. Control your shit. You got a lot going on in there. Uh, this is from this book, but I feel like it's important. And I believe that this is true now. Eisenhower knew about the alien presence here on this earth, whether it be Andalite or non-human intelligences. I'm pretty sure Eisenhower was aware of it. Sure, sure, sure. David, if you need help, seek it out. Again, not directed at you. Uh, I wrote, if you are breaking your schedule, and this is yes. not your normal time, you need to make a lot of big noises when coming into the house, okay? <laughs> whether it be singing show tunes, whether it be giving a little whistle, just the way that Pinocchio was taught by Geppetto, you got to make a lot of noises so people know that you are home. Uh, I wrote, track your kids. I said, you got it. Listen, Apple tags, GPS, whatever you're going to do, know where those fuckers are. Sure. I wrote, it's 2023, David. It's bus person. Oh, because I called them, they were dressed as bus boys is what I, yeah. Oh, thank you. David, it's 2023. It's bus person. I will, okay? I will take the note. Yeah, we do not know the their gender. We do not know how they identify. I mean, we, also, know, we know Marco and Axe's gender and how they identify. But. You know Axe's alien gender? No, yeah. you don't, David. No, yeah. you don't. Yes, he does. He identifies as a male Andalite. <laughs> uh, I wrote in here, we're in the end of days. Clearly, we've predicted that from the very beginning of the show. Yeah. Yep. Uh, be careful for, uh, be careful for, uh, what were the sky skunks called? Skiders? You gotta be careful uh, for skiders. Either skiders or spunks. Were yeah, spunks them. is the better one, but skiders I really like. <laughs> uh, French cuisine is not the only expensive cuisine out there. Yes, they created the mother sauces, but like, don't be afraid to like, go and try other fancy cuisines from around <laughs> the world. I wrote exploring food is so important. You gotta try, you gotta eat all your veggies. Uh, I wrote, I wrote Hanson, not only a great ba a band, but a solid soda. It is a lesson that if you have not learned, oh, sure. get yourself yeah. a Hanson in your life. Those are pretty good, actually. They're yeah. pretty good. I used to have them on like family camping trips. Uh, I wrote that, um, uh, a lesson I learned from this story, and I feel like it's maybe one that the kids might want to learn, but the art of the quick chain should not be frowned upon. Whether you are some sort of magician, dancer woman, or a child doing some sort of caper, a quick change can really come in handy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I wrote, I learned the lesson. Kids are so afraid of work. They like don't understand like what work is. Listen, the slot bucket is not your whole identity. It's just the shitty job you got to do before you go home. Go out there. He knows there he doesn't want to do it. Empty the slot bucket. <laughs> I wrote, if first you don't succeed, try and try again. Sure. Because third time's the charm. They only had to try twice and then they got it. Yeah. Uh, I wrote, I, this is a lesson, this is a personal lesson, this one is for me, so I will direct it at myself. Michael, do not record when the neighbor boy is home. He is nine <laughs> years old, he doesn't give a fuck about our podcast, I need to do this in a more you, secure area. Is it filling you with emotions? Do you need to talk about them? Do you need I'm to not talking your, about them, David! Empty your emotional slop bucket. Uh, I wrote, attacking strangers is kind of fun. Listen, <laughs> you call them attacks, I call them pranks. This is like a fun day for me. Sure. I wrote, bottle your feelings always. No, Nobody... empty the slop bucket. David, uh, David, 
uh, 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 Jake said bottle that shit and not the, deal with in it. In the heat of that moment that he did need to bottle that shit. I wrote the lesson. Poodles are very easy to kill. Yeah. Even a standard poodle. I, well, like the uh, the little ones, yeah. Because like an actual like normal ass poodle are like big dogs. Uh, that is that is true. I just feel that majority of the breeds of poodles are easy to kill. <laughs> uh, I wrote in scary places it might be important for you to wear some sort of adult diaper so that if you do shit your pants you're gonna be fine no one's gonna know about it you don't have to ruin what? the mission uh, what <laughs> <laughs> who shit their pants well didn't they make somebody else shit their pants I mentioned shitting your pants nobody, okay oh okay you did it yeah nobody shit their pants I wrote have a mantra have like a secret thing that you can dwell upon that you can like help direct your thoughts and feelings to help center yourself in times of scary times you know what my mantra is uh, no, if you can't tell it to me, if you tell it to me, you'll ruin your mantra. My mantra is bottle it up. Bottle it all up. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm here to tell you, David, you gotta empty that slop bucket sometimes. Empty that slop bucket. Uh, always I have a lesson for you. Write your lessons just in order on a page. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, David. That's my lesson. I do write these, okay? I had two lessons I had to forget because you were talking too fast, and I can't tell you to stop talking and write a lesson down, okay? Uh, there are better ways to... Oh. Reese's? No, no, no. Stop it. Uh, I said there are better ways to blackmail people. Listen, attacking them with animals is absolutely one way, but look into the way the CIA or the KGB does it. You can get in tantala- uh, 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 pictures about somebody doing lots of different things much easier than attacking them the with dogs. The idea that these children had was that this guy was a big animal person, like publicly, and so if they got him, you know, doing that... Not everything has to be sexual uh, in nature. Listen, I don't know where this where this sexual energy is coming from me today, okay? This, we've been all over the place. We're almost done. And my last lesson I learned is to be continued. Yeah, always be continued. Now, David, you ABC, told me. always yeah, be continued. ABC, always be continued. <laughs> David, you got to show me that Visser Chronicle. you got to show me so, this cover. So... Uh, yeah, okay, so here's the cover. I was expecting uh, a beautiful uh, Latina woman. Yeah. woman. I'm going to let you know, though, that's a pretty dope cover. Sure is. That's a the back really... is just the back of him. Yeah. Just the back of it. Well, David, let's, come on, let's not show your preferences. Let's see the front. Now, oh, show me the inside cover. I don't, there is no inside cover. Well, sort of. There is, <laughs> there is a name. Wait, here. who's that little kid? So, uh, I'm not going to say the full name, but uh, it's Brogan. Brogan. And then underneath in pencil, someone else has written Cody. So this has gone through two children before it came to me. Will you please write your name and then at the bottom of the page write So Was Red from uh, Shawshank Redemption? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I write So Was, I write my name and then So Was Red all the time. I do that. That's my favorite. That's really good. That's That's what I do in all my high schools. So here's the thing. So uh, we said this is him. So the cover of this has an Andalite, a very scary and intimidating looking Andalite. He looks so good. That might be the yeah. best art. That might This might be in my top five art of covers. So it very clearly is like, oh, that's Visser 3. Um, so you'd be like, wait, but how is it to be continued if we were talking about Visser 1? Buddy, get ready for our first Animorphs courtroom drama. Whoa. Uh, does that mean an Elemis story? Is that what you no. mean? No. Uh, So I'll just give you a little bit of a teaser. Uh, We've mentioned 
once or twice before in the hierarchy of Yurks. You know how you have subvisors, and then above your subvisors you have visors, of which the lower the number, the more powerful, right? So visor one, Margot's mother, would be the highest ranked visor, but is not the highest ranked Yurk, because above the visors there is what is called the Council of Thirteen. We're gonna see the Council of Thirteen! We are gonna see the Council of Thirteen. This book the context of it is a trial in front of the Council of Thirteen, prosecuted by Visser Three against Visser One. And the defendant is Visser One. Ooh, okay, well, I will wait with bated breath as the audience, so everybody hold your breath. Let's see who can get to the highest. David, thank you so much for preparing this. I am... Yeah. It's funny because the world of the Animorphs is so robust, I am happy to explore other facets of it. So I'm excited to hear that we are getting kind of a break from the kid context to get to something else. Uh, I wonder what the ramifications of this council will be. Uh, and I also wonder if I believe from the B continue, maybe she gets her body back. Who knows? Listen, we went from the UPN. Now we're going to Jerry Springer, but that will be for another day. The one who loves chanting Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Well, that's David Miller. And the one who will hit all of his exes with a chair. Well, that's Michael Santel. You never see it coming when a chair flies at you. We'll see all you kids and cats next time. Damn it. I, I, wish, I, I, I wish now I would have said, and the one who's not the father. Yeah. Oh, that's really go. good. Thank you for joining us. Stay safe. Don't forget to get your raincoat and galoshes or small boats with oars. And we'll mm -hmm. see all you kids and cats next time. Okay, bye. That's our show. Thanks for coming round. Don't be sad. No need to frown. We'll have more stories. Don't throw a fit. Goodbye, one and all, and we'll see you in a bit. It sure. was like ninety gig of project that I'm like never. I'm never gonna go back and re-edit those. But for some right. reason, I can't bring bring myself to just full delete them. So <laughs> here yeah. we are. I'm glad you have that space now. Yeah. <laughs>